Thank you, Christy. Okay. Um, simple, not easy. Andrea and I were uh, making a Costco run, and as we were driving, a uh, radio sermon came on, and the sermon was talking about following Jesus and the joy and peace a relationship with Jesus brings us. And I started thinking about uh, you know, how easy and simple it was to accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior. How easy it was to have a comfort and joy of knowing that when the end comes, I was going to be with Jesus. All I had to do was just believe. It is simple to accept and know Jesus. Just commit to a, living a righteous life. But that's where the simple ends. It is certainly not an easy path to walk. I must have been thinking out loud because Andrea said that she was thinking that God gives us arrows to, our, uh, to follow. We have God's word, which points us in the right direction to follow. He puts people in our life that can give directions to travel. And God puts us into situations that cause us to ask his directions. So when, when I got home, I started looking up scriptures that might show how easy it was to find Jesus and accept the salvation he gives us. As I was searching, I was, I was having troubles finding scriptures about how easy it was to follow Jesus. Every scripture I read said that following Jesus is not easy. As a matter of fact, it can be downright hard and even painful. This morning, I want to share some scriptures concerning following Jesus. Our base text for our message is Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 through 14. I'll be reading from the New King James. But before we open God's word, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. And you, we are so grateful for your wonderful, wonderful presence in our life. Father, open our hearts and minds to your word of truth and the comfort it gives us in our daily life walking with Jesus. Father, help us to have perfect clarity from the scriptures we read today. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Okay, Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. Enter you at the straight gate, for wide is the gate. And broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leads to life, and few there be find it. This scripture is from the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus taught that most of the multitudes would not follow him on the road that leads to life. They'd take the easy and simple road to the straight, wide gate that leads to destruction. Those who follow Jesus through the narrow gate of true repentance and deny themselves to follow Jesus who, is sincerely, who sincerely seek His kingdom and His righteousness are few. I want to dig a little deeper in this scripture. The word straight is translated 
from the, the Greek uh, as a steno. And I looked up the word in my concordance, and, and it said, refer to narrow, refer to the word narrow, uh, which means partially blocked. So the word straight in this scripture is used to describe a path that is not partially blocked. The narrow gate or partially blocked gate is a path that few people would take because it's a more difficult path to travel. Let me reread that scripture. Enter you at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leads to destruction, which leads to life, and few there be find it. When we apply this scripture to modern times, it is especially significant because we live in a fallen world and there are multitudes of lost people who desperately need Jesus. As we as followers of Jesus, we have help leading people to the narrow gate. We have the benefit of an arrow. It has flashing neon lights pointing to the narrow gate. That arrow is God's word in the New Testament. Jesus, in his Sermon on the Mount, describes the blessings that accompany discipleship in his kingdom. But he also insists that his followers and even his disciples will not escape persecution. It's a simple plan. Lead people to the narrow gate with God's word. Plant the seed. Let the Holy Spirit water it. They go through the gate. Done deal. But it's not that easy to accomplish because the world we live in has little knowledge of the grace and forgiveness of sin God has given us. But contrary to this revelation from Jesus, there are false teachers that we must be aware of. They come in sheep's clothing, preying on the innocent and non-discerning Christians. Unfortunately, they're wolves. They're really wolves. They preach that getting saved is one of the easiest things in the world to do. Just say a prayer and you're done. But they need to finish that statement with, however, Jesus taught that following Him involves heavy commitment to righteousness and acceptance to possible persecution. Oh yeah, and you must love your enemies and experience self-denial. The problem here is the gate is wide and it's not partially blocked. Many people want to take the easy way. Sadly, only the humble will go through the narrow gate and have a wonderful life with Jesus. We as his disciples must guide the multitudes who are believing this feel-good and easy way doctrine and are learning or excuse me and are heading to the straight gate that point them sorry that point them to the narrow gate with the flashing neon arrow of God's word which points to Jesus who is the way the truth and the life why is following Christ so difficult I think the answer has three parts, and they can become roadblocks on the way to the narrow gate. 
First, Jesus warned that all who follow him must deny themselves and bear their cross daily. Luke chapter 9, verse 23. And he said to them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. This is hardship to be sure, but hardship with the purpose of leading the lost to the joy of a wonderful relationship with Jesus. The second part is followers of Christ also face resistance from this world. If you want to live a righteous life, you may be uh, uh, avoided by the very people who you consider to be friends. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. The Apostle Paul knows about persecution, doesn't he? Third, Jesus did not promise his disciples that everything would come up roses for them. Just the opposite, really. He promised that they would have trials in this world. John chapter 16, verse 33. Give you a minute to get there. John 16, verse 33. These things I have spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. That's an awesome scripture. So the big takeaway here is loyalty to Jesus. This will lead, unfortunately, this will lead to some form of persecution because his truth and his righteousness standards involve a constant determination not to compromise our faith or give in to the many voices of the world that call us to lay aside our belief and faith in Holy Scripture. We need to grasp our faith in the uh, Word of God with both hands and never compromise our belief to make our life easier while living in this world. Jesus tells us that we are not of this world because he has chosen us from this world. We do not have to conform to the multitudes. To the, um, we do not have to confirm the following in this world. We do, if we do conform to what the word tells us, we will not be able to lead the multitudes to the narrow gates. We as followers of Jesus must refuse to accept the feel-good, easy-way doctrine, even though we may be ridiculed or discriminated against. The situation should not weaken our resolve to guide people to salvation through Jesus. Unfortunately, this is not easy. But this is the exact message we should stress when we are talking to young Christians who are just starting their journey. With Jesus and even our students just starting in a church youth group, the Christian life is never easy, but the difficulties don't take away from the joy and comfort of living their life for Jesus. So now we have an understanding that a Christian life is not easy. And to help us with the difficulty of a life serving God, we have the perfect example, Jesus. 
The author of Hebrews documents in chapter 11 that we must have faith because it demonstrates our trust in God in all circumstances, which enables us to always persevere and remain steadfast in our loyalty to God and His Word. The people we are leading to Christ on the narrow gate path must see our faith in God that loves His children so much He sacrificed His only Son so they could be redeemed or forgiven of their sin. However, living a righteous life will not be easy all the time. But our part in their journey to discover Jesus is setting the example of what loving Jesus looks like in our life. Even when we're faced with difficult roads, we must trust in the God who loves us. In our faith, we look to Jesus as our example of a trusting God, of commitment to his will, of overcoming temptation and suffering, and seeking the joy of completing the work which God, which God had called Jesus and each one of us as his disciples to do. Preach the gospel to the world, lead the people to Christ, this is our great commission from Jesus. And he is our source of strength, love, grace, mercy, and uh, uh, to accomplish the mission. Our next scripture is in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 2. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that, he was, that was set before him endured the cross, despising shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. We are surrounded by multitudes of people in our daily lives, at, uh, at work, um, at the stores, when you go shopping, everywhere we go. But we, we must lay aside our sin which comes so easily to us. Removing the sin from our life is not an easy one-time decision. It is a lifelong race. And this race must be run with patience, endurance, and perseverance. The race must be run by throwing off sin that is all around us, by looking to Jesus who persevered to the end by enduring the cross. The race must be run with the awareness that our greatest danger is the temptation to give up and yield to sin and return to where we came from citizens of this world. Next, I want to uh, answer the question we need to be asking ourselves. What can I do to get people who are heading to the straight gate to follow me to the narrow gate? Show people that we have what we have in Jesus by living righteous lives following Him. I am so grateful to God for the time I spent working at a gas station pumping gas. 
minimum wage, part-time. Every day, customers would ask me, how come you're so happy? Because I have, I tell, because I have a wonderful Savior who gives me uh, the hope that he's coming to take all who have accepted him as our Lord to a better place. You go, oh, where is that? Heaven! It opens the door to talk about how anybody can experience the same joy and peace that only comes from a relationship with Jesus. But when we do make the decision to follow Jesus, we must, these new Christians, we must disciple them and encourage them with patience and understanding. Gently leading them forward to maturity. But we also must be honest with them. Accepting the Christian life is simple in that all a person must do is decide to accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior through prayer and confession. But it's not easy for these three reasons. Number one, they must make a commitment to serve Jesus. It requires sacrifice and self-denial. They must live a righteous life using the Word of God as their guide. But at the same time, inform them that there is another side of living in Christ. It is the blessed hope. Uh, roll to Titus chapter 2. Verses 11 through 13. This is an awesome scripture. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world looking for that blessed hope and appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And it is that hope, the appearance of our Lord Jesus, that sustains and carries us through life. It is that hope that changes us and will change the world. Our hope is the expectation that the promises of God are already in the process of fulfillment. Brothers and sisters, the non-believers in this fallen world desperately need Jesus to change their life. He's the only one who can do it. The hope they see in us may be the key to get them to follow us to the narrow gate where Jesus is waiting. First Peter. Chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fade not away reserved in heaven for you, 
We are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. This is the reason why it's so important to reach the lost who are headed to the wrong gate. They will miss the hope given by grace from our Father unto salvation. And you know what? Their time is running out. Only through faith and hope are we protected by the power of God. Just as through faith we are saved. A living hope in Christ as Lord and Savior who will be returning for us gives us the desire to point the multitudes to the narrow gate because we know the joy and peace that life brings with Jesus. However, we have to be seen as faithful, hopeful, and someone who is impatient and terribly dissatisfied with the current state of the world. Remember, hope did not begin with creation. It began with the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. I said in the uh, introduction, God gives us an arrow pointing the multitudes to the right direction to the narrow gate. That arrow is the Word of God. We as believers in the Word of God must inform the multitudes who are headed to the straight gate that the Bible will help them find a life more abundantly. We must say to them, follow me and I will show you what the Bible says about how to live your life. The benefits of salvation through Jesus Christ and the hope He gives all who accept Him as Lord and Savior. The best part is God's word abides, lives, for, or lives forever. It'll never fade away. The prophet Isaiah in chapter 40, verses 5 through 8, written centuries before, does an awesome job of informing us that God's word will stand forever. Isaiah chapter 40, verses 5 through 8. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. The voice said, cry, and, and, he, and he said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all godliness, or correction, all goodliness thereof is as the flower in the field. The grass withers, the flower fades but the Spirit of the Lord blows upon it. Surely the people is grass. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the Word of God will stand forever. When we look at this Scripture uh, more closely, it has several levels. God is primarily speaking to Isaiah about Israel's restoration from their captivity in the Old Testament. However, in my personal opinion, this scripture applies to the people who don't know Jesus today and are currently in captivity and need the hope of our Savior. This scripture is also pointing to John the Baptist crying in the wilderness to the Jews in the New Testament as well as people today who are fading away because they're going to the wrong gate. 
I, I guess the bottom line here is this scripture can be applied to the multitudes today uh, who live in this sinful world because they don't have Jesus in their life. There needs to be a loud voice today saying that Jesus is the only way to life more abundantly. Don't go through the straight gate. Follow Jesus through the narrow gate. And a life of grace, joy, peace are waiting for you. Follow me. God's word will stand forever. God's promises will be fulfilled. His redemptive truth cannot be canceled or changed. As disciples of Christ, we have been called to fight the good fight. We, uh, we have to steer the multitudes to the narrow gate and a life living for Jesus. And it will be a battle and it won't be easy. So unless we have a clear vision of what we are fighting for, we will quickly become weary in the battle. We have the perfect solution. It's written in the Word of God. Holy Scripture must be our ultimate guide to truth and practice. We must use the Word of God given to us by the Holy Spirit as our directional arrow with neon lights on it pointing the multitudes to Jesus and His perfect light. Once they pass through the narrow gate, they will have the peace and hope that the world needs so badly. It is so simple, but man, it, it is not easy. In my time uh, at the gas station and serving God, I've talked to a lot of people. I asked the question, what's keeping you from going to church? The most common response was they don't see God in their life. They have hardship and pain, so disappointment fills in and they stop believing in God. They can't understand why God would be so mean to allow people to suffer such terrible situations. They assume that God works that way. Also, they, they don't have any hope because they feel God does not want them because their sin is so great. I tell them, God always keeps His promises. And you know what? His promises that those who call upon Him will be saved. <clears throat> if you're here today or listening online, I want to encourage you. Encourage you today that God is working in your situation and has forgiveness for your sin. If you're saved and not currently going to church, remember, God is calling you to serve Him through your situation. Seek His comfort and grace in your life by going back to church and getting right with God. When you attend a church service, you meet other people who have been where you've been. 
They can show you how to stand on the promises given, to, uh, given by God to those who follow Him. If God has put someone in your life who needs salvation, a wonderful scripture to share with that person, really, or even the multitudes who need God, is Isaiah uh, chapter 55, verse 11. So shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth, it shall not return unto me void, but shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. God makes it clear uh, here that when His word goes out from His mouth, it will not return to Him empty. It will accomplish what He desires and uh, achieve the purpose for which He sent it. This gives us the assurance that God will always keep His word. The promises He gives you and me and the world He speaks over our life will come to pass. His promises will always bear fruit in our life, all for His glory. The fact is, or that fact is what will get the multitudes to follow Jesus through the narrow gate and to a life in wonder of His presence. It is, it is hard to continue to believe in God's promises when we've waited so long and have seen no results. I'm waiting on some of them myself. You may have waited for many years and lost hope. You can have that hope today because your story is not finished. God hears your prayers and they won't go unanswered. If you have never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, or maybe you need to get back to His presence in your life, I invite you to do that right now. The Holy Spirit is here for all of us. You can, uh, right now you can come forward or raise your hand so we can see who you are. We'll go and pray with you if, if you feel led. But it starts with the simple decision to follow Jesus. The reward that is waiting for you is so good. It's unspeakable that it's so good. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your presence today. We thank you for your word that leads and guides us in everything we do. Father, we are so grateful that what you say will not come back void. Father, hear our prayers this morning that, that we pray for those who are lost and who are looking for the right direction to go to the narrow gate. Give us the strength to lead them to the narrow gate. Steer them away from the wide gate which leads to their destruction. In Jesus' mighty and precious name, amen. <clears throat> well, that's, uh, that's pretty much all I have today. I want to uh, thank you for coming. The, our friends online, we miss you. And uh, get, 
we, uh, we'd like for you to get back to church. Because we, we need the fellowship as brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, uh, with that, I'll uh, dismiss, is he, uh, dismiss you today. Is that it? That's the end of it, isn't it? Okay. Thank you so much. <laughs> I hope I didn't bore you too much. <laughs>